following thoughts, opinions, stories, and expressions are meant for those who will appreciate them. If you don't, we hope you keep an open soul to encounter another here on 34 Questions. Peace. In three, two, one. What's going on, folks? Welcome to 34 Questions. I'm your host, 34. And tonight, I have a very special guest. Ashley Langham is in the building. How are you doing tonight, Ashley? doing great doing great uh want to thank you again for stopping by i uh, definitely appreciate your time and your openness to share your story uh, for the folks out there who are unfamiliar with the flow of the show we do some intro questions some warm-up questions just to set the tone um after that we'll turn turn to some icebreakers uh just to play a couple games after that we will turn to the wheel of fate where we'll spin the wheel whichever number it lands on that's how the conversation will roll and after that, we'll finish it off with some closeout questions. Sound good to you, Ashley? Yeah, sounds great. All right. So my very first question for you is, how have you been? How have you been doing lately? You've been doing great. You've been doing well. How you been? Yeah, I've been doing great. I mean, a lot of things are changing in my life for the better. So I'm excited about that. Um, and yeah, just self-improving. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, could you speak on maybe one of those changes that you're, you're making? Yeah. So I recently um, started working for a retreat center out in Sedona as their copywriter. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm balancing that with my other content writing work as well as my spiritual wellness work. So a lot of is going on, but all good things. I got you. Uh, congratulations on the new job. Um, Thank you. I've definitely taken that step many times in my life. Uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, you feel at home and are able to, you know, further your career. Yeah, nice. definitely. <laughs> um, what, what were you doing before this, if you don't mind me asking? So I was mainly uh, just doing sort of client work, working for a marketing agency as their contract um, freelance writers. And I was a yoga instructor and I was still doing sort of spiritual wellness, energy healing and tarot reading. Um, and now I'm more busy uh, with this new job as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so it's not like you, you've stopped all those other things. It's just you've added this new this new job into that yeah um i have stopped for the time being uh teaching yoga right now because i'm kind of looking at moving um so once i get to my new place then i can think about teaching yoga again for sure for sure um my second question for you in the warm-up is what would you like the audience to know about you just that I am a content writer and spiritual wellness healer, and I really truly believe in oneness, the connectivity between the mind, the body, and the soul in everything I do with my work and my spiritual wellness. Um, I literally had such a change. Like I used to be a compliance officer for an investment bank and I did that for five years and I was living overseas in Europe and also in um, Sydney, Australia, but I have come home to America for the time being and completely changed my life. And I truly believe that you can live a life of your desires. It might take some work, but you can do it. For sure. For sure. 
Um, you spoke about the oneness. Uh, what kind of got you to that perspective, and how long have you had that? Was it? Uh, yeah, go for it. It's taken six years of spiritual awakening and lots of therapy to get to a state of oneness. I'm still on the journey. I wouldn't say I'm completely there, but I truly believe in sort of connecting within. And I've done a lot of work around that as well as really um, sort of finding a place of unconditional love within as well. I gotcha. I gotcha. I'm sure we'll dive more into that as the interview goes on. Um, but my third question for you in the warm-up is if I were to do something in your honor, a way to express the energy you possess, what could I do for you? I mean, just live a life of ease. <laughs> That's sort of what I'm trying to accomplish um, and be able through you know, my spiritual journey, teach other people to get to that state of oneness, to get to that state of ease as well. I got you. Now, now we know. And yes. uh, <laughs> and my last question for you in the warm up is: on a scale from one to ten, how well do you know yourself? Ten. Well, what got you to the ten? <laughs> a lot of inner work. Um, yeah, it's been a journey, but I feel like I've always been pretty self aware, even when I was sort of in the corporate space and I didn't know so much about the healing aspect. I always had this level of self-awareness, but I think around the age of 27, I was like, hold up, maybe I'm not the person who I thought I was entirely. (laughs) And I had to uncover some of those limiting beliefs and I had to uncover um, some of the things that I didn't like about myself and confront that. I feel you. Man, 10 10 is uh, strong though. There's no... (laughs) There's no more mystery for you or <laughs> uh, is it just, would you say, you know, where you are in life right now, feels like you, you know yourself the most? Yeah, I will say that. I got you. What would you say is your favorite thing about your personality? Uh, I have several, but um, <laughs> my honesty, um, honesty with myself, honesty with other people, I really admire. And would you say you were born with that or was that something you grew into? Oh, I was born with that. I was so honest as a kid that I remember at the age of five, I was asking this lady, like, I don't want to fat shame now. I know this now. <laughs> like, I asked this lady, like, are you pregnant? And my parents had to be like, girl, she's just a little bit bigger, you know? So I've always had that, even for better or for worse, but I've always been honest. I got you. Um I'm always, uh, you know, I admire folks who can be honest. I think for me, I, I'm a nice guy or I think I'm a nice guy. I, so I end up tiptoeing a lot around, uh, you know, moments where I think the truth needs to be said, you know. Um, or someone who like me who struggles with that, what kind of advice could you give me for, you know, just maybe being able to speak my mind and tell my truth about, you know, either a situation or, or conflict? I mean, definitely, like, it's important to be honest, but it's also important to think before you say things so you don't offend somebody. But I think in moments where you think, oh, honesty is not required, it definitely is. I feel like more people appreciate you being honest, even though it's not, like, the nicest thing, than you just straight up, like, trying to be nice. Because eventually that niceness is going to seem cruel if you're just kind of lying to someone um, about how you truly feel. So I would just, 
I think honesty is always the best policy if you have that in your mind and just do it with tact. I think people appreciate it. For sure, for sure. That's that's definitely something I'm still working on. Um, I don't know. I, I need to like do one of those exercises where I need to tell the or speak my mind 30 days in a row just so I could yeah. get used to that feeling and um, make it a change in my life. Uh, maybe maybe one of these days I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, all right. Well, we made it to the icebreaker portion. But before we do that, uh, for all the folks out there who are listening, if you are enjoying the content, please like if you might, share if you care, subscribe for a vibe you didn't know was there. Uh, and then let's head on over to the icebreakers. This first one is a, it's called the point of view until I figure out a better name for it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to give you a statement and then you give me your point of view on the statement, whether you agree or disagree, think it's true or false. Um, this first one is overthinking is a bad thing. Right, what's your stance on that? I don't know if it's a bad or good thing. It's definitely not like entirely good to overthink all the time, but sometimes it's good to overthink, especially at work. Oh, can you dive into that a little bit more? Like at work, how is overthinking a good thing? Particularly for what I do, a lot of it is creative and you don't want to go with your first inclination because your first inclination could not be the most creative, could not be the most interesting. You might want to overthink like, is this the best article to write or is this the best point of view to have? So I think overthinking could be good sometimes. For sure. And on the flip side, um, how do you think it can be hurtful to be overthinking? It can lead to anxiety you're overthinking too much you can't even take an action yeah i feel you on that i think that's how it it normally comes up in my life um i consider myself an overthinker and (laughs) yeah uh it takes me a long time to get things uh get started on things and projects um and you know for me, I had to get over that fact of like, I can't make everything perfect. You know, I just have to give it a shot, see where it goes and, you know, do better the next time. But I know a lot of, at least in the past for me, that's what would hold me back is I, I create something and I don't want to share it because I keep telling myself it can be better and better, uh, you know, and that's how overthinking for me has been a bad thing. But I am on the team of embracing it <laughs> for yeah. myself. Yeah. And my second statement for you is it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you need permission. Um, You haven't even gotten to the forgiveness portion. So like sometimes it's good to, you know, ask for permission, whether, you know, you can give your point of view or you can talk to someone about something or you can do someone do something with someone else you know so that's important but yeah forgiveness is also a very important thing as well to have and to hold i got you and you know for you you don't have to get into too many specifics but when do you feel like it's it's better to risk at just going for the forgiveness rather than asking for permission 
sometimes you just have to make make a choice when you're dealing with people um especially like again on creative fields sometimes you just have to kind of push the button like if you're posting something on social media sometimes you just have to be kind of brash because those things get picked up the most on social media um and then you can forgive later um after it because if you want to make a statement especially about the things that are going on right now politically you kind of just need to push the button and hope people don't hate you too much afterwards <laughs> no i got you i got you uh, that's definitely something that crosses my mind all the time and you know one way for me to to combat it is you know if i can stay rooted in my purpose and you know what the my intention behind it because i feel like that's how people get that anxiety or they start feeling like they can't say what they want and i i know this because that's who i am now uh and i'm trying to get better at it um but yeah staying rooted in my purpose probably helps me the most when it comes to these kind of situations yeah uh, i love that thank you uh, and we're going to move on to our second icebreaker, which is a word association activity. Uh, I'm going to throw you a word. You give me the first word or thought that comes to you. Uh, and you'll have 34 seconds to do as much as you can, as many as you can. Um, and the record, I'll tell you now, is 12 so far on the show. <laughs> All right. Here we go. I'm going to pull up the countdown. In three, two, one, love. Myself. People. Connection. Pain. Avoid. Regret. Avoid. Crazy. Sometimes. Fear. All the time. Happiness. Joy. Food. Need some now? <laughs> Life. Wonderful. Hope. Ooh. What was that last one for hope? Wish? I don't Wish. know. I got you. I got you. No pressure. <laughs> uh, thank you for, for participating. Uh, <clears throat> you had mentioned uh, a couple things I want to dig a little deeper on. Pain and regret, I believe you said avoid both. Um, is it truly possible to avoid those things? Uh, uh, regret, I think, is definitely possible to avoid. I've never regretted anything in my life. I might have done things that I'm not too proud of or done stupid shit, but like, sorry if I can curse. No, you can. Uh, you, you can definitely curse. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I try to avoid regretting anything because it's always a lesson. Uh, but pain... I mean, I've had it, but I try to avoid it as well. That's probably not good to do to avoid. I feel, I feel you. I feel you. Um, I mean, you know, one of the things for myself right now is regret definitely, I guess, would be, you would say my, one of my motivating factors. I know it's not the best thing, um, but it is something I think is true for me right now until I can work out those issues. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, as far as avoiding them, they're st I'm staring them right in the face every day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the best way to do that instead of bypassing to emotions. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, and then you also said fear. And I believe you said always. 
Well, what did you mean by that? Um, I have anxiety. I struggle with anxiety. And I, I think fear kind of has always kind of ruled my life. It has made decisions for me to keep, to be safe. That's why I kind of went into banking and, um, and then I feared becoming an entrepreneur. I feared, um, working for myself, but that kind of drove me as well. So fear is a constant, but it also is a huge motivator for me. I, I kind of want to switch that right now and focus on love being a huge motivator, but I can't deny that fear is a huge motivator for me. I got you. I mean, I think all the, uh, I don't want to call them negative, but those that's that set of emotions of, you know, fear, regret are big motivators in everyone's lives. Um, and it's interesting how as much as much as we try to let go or forget, it seems to always be around or it follows us, you know. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, well, we made it to the Wheel of Fate portion. So bring you back over to the main stage i don't know if you can really see the changes i'm making on the screen from your end um but i hope it's yeah. not too distracting <laughs> all right that's good. Uh, all right so pulling up the wheel i'm gonna give it a spin and uh, just as a reminder if there's any question that's too deep or something you don't want to talk about feel free to pass uh, there's no pressure okay first number is number 12 this question started starting off heavy um <laughs> when was the last time you cried and why last time i cried i probably cried last week to be honest um i don't remember why it's, it's probably fun. something that i was trying to like uncover on a spiritual level I got you. I got you. Is is it easy for you to cry or is it something you, you fight back against? I used to have a lot of trouble crying, particularly in front of people, because I thought it was weak because I had a terrible upbringing um, with one of my parents who told me it was weak uh, mm. to cry um, in front of people. Um, but now I don't mind it. I cry all the time. I got oh, you. I do remember why I cried. I cried because I was watching Stranger Things, the finale. Oh, I, I got you. It, it, was it like a, a a noteworthy moment that made you cry? or? I think someone died in there. Okay, no spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got you. I, I got you. Actually, I was going to ask if you had any soft spots for that, like in media. I know for me, movies guaranteed to make me cry if it's you know one of those kind of movies um and i said i still have a hard time crying today just because i don't know i, I feel like the faces that, that i make when i'm crying it, it, it would make me laugh if i saw myself crying which is kind of bad to say because then it really discourages me from doing it but yeah. <laughs> if someone was going to take a picture of me while i'm crying I'm, <laughs> that would make me crack up i think cry <laughs> <laughs> <Private> of embarrassment <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Exactly. Um, besides Stranger Things, what would you say is maybe a moment in television or, or, or TV or television or movies that that never fails to, to make you feel something or hits you different? I think when men cry in television, um, it really makes me cry uh, because people don't often get portrayed to show emotion. So when they do show emotion, it 
which is kind of patriarchal in a way because it's like oh it's meaningful when a man cries not meaningful when a woman cries because she's always crying but unfortunately i have probably have a little bit of internalized patriarchy so it makes me cry i got you i got you i mean i think for me it's any any moment where like a any crying in a movie probably makes me cry whether it's man woman or child um but as far as seeing a man cry man i've i've only seen my my father cry like a couple times in my life and i know that made me instantly cry because i you just don't never see it right and it's just it's it's bananas because i don't know like for for me they try so hard to be strong all the time especially to their kids um and yeah seeing them be vulnerable oh shit like you know um and I, I think it's a great bonding moment for any child and parent if they have that kind of moment. Uh, but yeah, for sure. Sorry, I'm getting all swept up into it. <laughs> no, I totally agree. Like, I've seen my mom cry maybe a couple of times. And I think it's just her generation. Like, they didn't really show weakness or not even weakness, vulnerability. And um, when I see her cry, I'm like instantly sad. Because <laughs> I know something's really wrong that's making her sad got you got you uh and then so you you mentioned like your mom that was your mom's generation how about our generation and the future generations you see a little change in that as far as their openness to be be, being vulnerable or is it pretty, pretty staying the same pretty much i think our generation has changed a lot i know one of my girlfriends she has four kids and she's tells me what she does with her kids to be open and be more vulnerable and talk through things with her kids and I've I don't have too many friends who have kids yet but like to me that shows a huge leap from like the boomers who want to seem quote unquote strong all the time I got you I got you um I don't when it first came to like opening up and talking about feelings i don't think i ever had that talk with my parents or (laughs) any adults (laughs) um for you was there any kind of guidance or maybe doesn't necessarily have to be your parents but maybe a teacher or something that kind of gave you that this idea of being you know with the oneness um i think several teachers i mean like theta healing teachers um therapy has kind of because I had an existential therapist, which was kind of cool, um, have really opened me up to a state of oneness. But my parents don't believe in any of that. Mm. They, they're they very wrapped in polarity, they're, um, which is like good versus bad kind of things. Um, they're very... Um, I would say my mom's a little bit more spiritual, so she kind of follows like Taoism a little bit, maybe Zen Buddhism, but she's not fully integrated in that. So I think when I talk to her, she's kind of like, it kind of goes over her head a little bit, but she understands some of what I'm talking about or, you know, can resonate with some of it, but it's mainly my healer friends or uh, healer practitioners that I work with or even therapists. I got you. Uh, you you mentioned ex- existential therapist. Uh, I'm kind of curious what that means because <laughs> I don't I don't think I've ever heard that before. She was amazing. Like she really 
made me think that I have a bigger purpose in this world, so I should stop kind of worrying about the day-to-day worries because I had such bad anxiety that I was just struggling to cope with regular degular life. So she kind of brought existentialism. One of the best books she recommended was Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, who is an existential psychologist who was going through the Holocaust. And he thought, you know, my purpose is not being a prisoner of war. My purpose is to be a therapist. So I need to look at the bigger picture and stop looking at the day-to-day in this labor camp or, well, he was in Auschwitz. Um, So from that, like reading that book and working with her kind of changed my life. I got you. I got you. That I think you know, uh, a good tw- 20% of my life is about existentialism <laughs> as far as <laughs> thinking about it and wondering, you know, why we're here and um, what, what's the meaning behind all this. Uh, in your own words, maybe it's, you know, just for yourself, but well, why are we here in your mind? I think to love and to connect as human beings and to work together as a collective to better um our fate on this earth and do you think that uh like is it that's achievable as far as you know having everybody on the same page or at least giving love more love than it hate i think it is i think i see a lot like all of my friends i see a lot of people moving into this belief that we need to work together as a collective, that we need to bring more love than hate into this world. Now we do have, you know, everything on the news and the media that's telling everyone to be divisive, to hate one another because of arbitrary identity factors. But I think like millennials, definitely Gen Z, a lot more of us are looking at, okay, how do we bring more love? And a lot more of us are working and having higher purposes within the collective. And I think it is achievable. I just think we haven't done it yet. And so people are like, oh, well, we have, we are not gonna do it. But it's like, we we haven't landed on the moon, you know, back in like 300 BC, but we did it in 1969. So it's capable to evolve as human beings. So if we all can focus on evolution, then I think it's achievable. I got you. Yeah, just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean it's not possible, right? Yeah, uh, I feel you. I mean, I think there there is that change in society that's happening, um, and I'm just wondering what what it's gonna take to to get there. Uh, you know, like we don't need to get into politics, but for for me, that's that's one of those things where if it's gonna change, it's gonna need this mass move, movement uh, from the people, right? It's not gonna take the leaders that are in office, but it's gonna come from from us. Uh, I'm excited to see what, what that leads us into uh, and I hope we, we see it in our lifetimes sometimes yeah. I think changes like this is going to take a lot longer than we think or hope for um, so fingers crossed <laughs> hopefully yeah. we get to see this uh, but I think it's going to start with people you know like yourself that are planting the seeds um, and hopefully kids that not kids could just be like people 10 years younger than us um, yeah. pick, picking it up and then you know the next 10 picking it up afterwards um would you would you say you believe that or i'm not gonna put words in your mouth but do you think people are ultimately good 
struggled with this question because originally when I was younger, I thought people were ultimately good. And then I hit adulthood and had to live overseas on my own. And was like, damn, these people are suck. <laughs> but <laughs> then now I'm back to, I think people are ultimately thinking of their best interests at heart. Now, I wouldn't necessarily call them selfish, but it is, I guess, self-preservating. And I think if we took out all the noise of isms and schisms, I think people have more in common than not. And they are, if you talk to them where they are, they're more willing to do the right thing. Like, I don't think we are a bunch of like robbers and killers and everything like that. I think people genuinely want to do the right thing. So does that make them inherently good? I guess so. I think that just makes them inherently who they are. I don't want to say good versus bad. They just are who they are. So you have to connect to people where they are so that we can bring more good into this world. I hear you. I hear you. And uh, no, I'm with you too. I, I definitely stand on that, um, on the hill of the good and evil part. You know, I'm definitely starting to stay away from defining things in that way, right? Because there's a lot yeah. of different ways you can look at the situation, look at a person, uh, look at their actions. So it's like, you know, when when people steal, it, are they if they're providing for other people, it's like, yo, I think that that's yeah. a good thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. <right? laughs> or if they're starving, they kind of need to steal some food. Yeah, like why? Why do they have to steal in the first place? Like we need yeah. to be reflecting on, on kind of on, on that side of things. Um, all right, we're gonna give the wheel another spin. Um, here we go. Number 14. This question is, how could you be kinder to yourself? I think I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I'm working at not being so negative in my self-talk. Mm. Do you feel like, uh, I, I know for, for myself, uh, the negative talk can get me in a, like a dark place, like zero to a hundred, right? It, uh, does it move that fast for you or is it like this graduals negative self-talk that just, that grows over time versus hitting you real hard all at once? I think it's gradual. I don't think like it goes from, you're doing fine. I hate you kind of thing, but it's more like, oh man, you're stupid for this. You know, I, I don't need to say that about myself, even if I make a mistake. I gotcha. Um, in, in the same kind of realm, you know, how have you been your best friend? I have a extreme level of dedication to self-growth. And I think that has really helped me be the best version of myself that I'm always, you know, my best advocate. Even when I've been in very, very dark places, I've always been like, okay, Ashley, you can sit in this for two days. I'll even give you three, but we need to get back to where we need to get. And I give myself the time to like kind of figure my shit out and then like come back to, okay, we have to improve. We have to get things together. Um, which I think is the greatest motivator for me. 
got you. Um, would you say? So, what, what do you think of my my? Uh, I guess my personal priority in life, and you know, if I was going to be selfish and selfless at the same time, I would. I, I try to do everything in this idea of balance. Um, that you know, if whether like good or bad, I think everything's going to happen in balance. Um, so for you, one, do you feel like you're in balance now? And two, how do you maintain that balance? I think I'm more in balance, more in what I call homeostasis, which is like just neutrality. I think when I'm in neutrality, I am balanced. How I get to that is I meditate, I do yoga, I work out, I I get sleep, you know, I eat well, <laughs> like a lot of it. I take rest when I need rest um, or I go out and have fun if that's what I need. Um, I just give myself what I need in the that moment. For sure. And um, has there ever been a, a time where you felt unbalanced and w- what did that kind of look for you, look like for you? I mean, for 32 years of my life, and I'm 32 now, I've been out of balance. I'm just getting in balance, and that has taken a lot of work. But before, I was just not giving myself what I need. I listened to other people entirely to make a lot of my decisions, or I people please to make a lot of my decisions. Even now, I'm still kind of working through that and to kind of pull myself back from doing that. Um, but yeah, putting other people's needs ahead of my own is how I, this first thing to get me out of balance. Got you. And, uh, I'm 32 myself as far as finding balance. I think it took me (laughs) the same amount of time. Uh, I don't know what it is about our thirties, but, uh, you know, (laughs) things change a lot. At least, you know, the chemicals in our brain, maybe, um, our development and growth as human beings. Um, but for you, how how has uh, how are your twenties different from your thirties? If you don't mind me asking. Oh my god! <laughs> like heaps different. Oh my god. Um, so my twenties, I spent most of the, my time outside the country. I'll probably do that again at some point. Um, but it was really about prioritizing other people's needs ahead of my own. I mean being with people that I had no business being with because they liked me rather than me assessing whether I even liked them. Mm. Uh, I drank heaps. I've, I've stopped drinking, have stopped drinking for the last like almost a year now. Um, and I just didn't have any like, I don't know, like I didn't, like, I knew who I was, but I didn't know who I was. I think every 20-year-old thinks that, like, oh, I know myself. But it's <laughs> like, then you're uncovering parts and you're just like, oh, shit, am I the asshole? Like, so, yeah, it's totally changed. I got you. I got you. Um, no, I mean, yeah, my, my 20s, deep contrast. There's still vices I haven't let go of, you could say. Um, still working on that. But... Yeah, it's something about like you know starting to take take things more seriously, uh, and I guess being more more rooted, uh, kind of knowing what I like versus what I dislike, and not being afraid to to start saying no to the things I really don't want, 
anything mm-hmm. to do with um congratulations on uh being able to you know uh swerve or curve the uh alcohol <laughs> i'm not yeah. a big drinker but i always get swept up in some kind of peer pressure some kind of um you know people tell me oh just take one and then <laughs> i end up kind of regretting it just feeling i don't know it makes me feel hot doesn't make me feel like enjoying my time i end up falling asleep <laughs> but they, <laughs> they always get me though uh, excuse me for a second i have to take this call that i just got yeah no worries all right second all right sorry about that ashley um no worries you know my partner hits me up while i do podcasting and i get anxious too i'm just like okay i gotta say something back or else (laughs) yeah uh all right uh let's give the wheel another spin um see where we land number 32 i believe yep um this next question is what is your proudest moment I think very recently, um, the way my career is going from what I said during the, cause I quit my job during the end of the pandemic, my corporate job during the end of the pandemic. And I was just like, I'm going to write and practice spirituality. And my focus is going to be on sort of diversity, equity, inclusion, spirituality, and how to bridge like inclusivity in both those spaces. Um, and in writing for brands. And now I'm actually doing that, like focusing on those areas. Um, And to be able to make my own schedule work remotely and design my life exactly, or at least my work around exactly what I want is just the biggest achievement that I've ever experienced. I mean, like I graduated from law school and have a master's degree and that does not (laughs) go in comparison to being able to design my life exactly how I want. Damn, you a master's in uh, in, in law degree? Yes. <laughs> yeah. For some mad props, you know, mad respect for that, uh, <laughs> and uh, but even more respect for being able to build this life that that you know you visualize and you know are achieving for yourself. Uh, but for you, what what does I guess you know? Where 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 do where do you want this to lead you to? Uh, where you are now versus I guess you know the next cu- upcoming years. Where where would you like to be at? Well, I would like to be back in Europe doing what I'm doing now um, and living there full time. Um, that's probably the biggest change. And then settling over there, it's a bit complicated, takes some time. But like to be able to settle over there and do what I'm doing now um, online, and then also to grow my spiritual business. I don't know which direction I want to take it just quite yet. I know that I don't want to just do one-to-one clients. I want to do kind of events, retreats, talks, um, and then maybe write a book. I don't know. I got you. I mean, uh, you got to shoot for the stars, right? And, yeah. <laughs> uh, but a book, a book is definitely, I think, you know, everyone should try to do it at least for one point. I know everyone would have their own idea behind what the book would be about but just getting your thoughts down on paper you know is there's some kind of therapy to it too um so if you could if anyone out there can challenge themselves to to complete a book uh, i think you you, you'd either learn more more about yourself 
or you know grow in a way that you, you couldn't have imagined um, yeah and you t- you speak about living in Europe uh, how long were you out there for you know might be asking I was living in London for on and off for six years but pretty much all throughout my 20s and in France for two and a half months gotcha and what would you say is the, the biggest difference as far as in culture that you see from living here in the States versus out there in Europe? <laughs> um, just living a life with the standard of living, like our quality of life. I think the United States, because it's hyper individualistic, is like, oh, if you work hard, you get, but the government doesn't really uh provide for people to like be supported whereas like the government provides for people to be supported in europe there's like a standard of living and then of course you do work and you might get a better one um but there's a standard and quality of life that i don't see in the united states i got you i got you uh yeah i mean i I wonder well, I don't wonder. I think I know what led America to get into this hyper-individualistic, you know, mindset. Um, but it, it was your experiences in Europe, what was, what was like maybe one thing, if you could pick out a specific thing that kind of just surprised you? And I was like, why don't we do that in America? Medical care. <laughs> hmm. was, it, was it easy for you when you got out there just to sign up and they kind of took care of you? Is that easy? <laughs> It's not that easy for Americans, um, Mm. particularly in the UK, like um, you have to, well, I was sponsored with a job. So my work uh, paid for my visa, which also paid for uh, money to go towards the medical system there. Um, Plus I have private health insurance, but the NHS, like um, also as a student, I was out there too, because I went to law school out there and that was pretty easy to sign up. Like I was a student. I have now, I think they changed the rules where you have to contribute some money to the NHS, even with a student visa, but, um, you get, it's like 200 pound per year per your visa length. So say I was staying out there for five years, then it would be a thousand pounds with the visa, but like a thousand pounds for five years to you can get surgery, you can break a leg, and you can get pregnant, and they will pay for it. It's pretty darn good. Plus, you pay your taxes, but the tax rate is so small within your full taxes of what medical care is. They should just do that here. So it's five, like five thousand pounds or one thousand pounds for five years. For five years, for the length of the visa, that's what you have to contribute to it. Gotcha. But also, you pay your taxes, and that a percentage of your taxes goes towards the NHS. No, but you're right, though. I'd rather play, pay like a big upfront large sum in the beginning to cover cover me for years. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know here in America, it's, uh, you know, they have that whole thing. I forgot what was the term for it. But, um, you know, we're very highly, very, we're very highly dependent on our, the job that we have to provide yeah. health care. Um, and it's scary out there. I've had uh, 17 jobs in like 10 years, actually. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I've jumped around um, and I felt the different insurances, you know, like the ones that cover 
pretty good the ones that are kind of on the cheaper end um and how much of a headache it everything becomes uh, if you don't have good insurance it's like do you even really want to help me like <laughs> <laughs> and you still have to pay like a portion like if i built the phone in the uk i don't pay for any of that not even the ambulance like it comes out of my taxes whereas here like if you broke a bone you're getting a bill that sucks let me let me ask you this actually this is something i'm trying to speak into existence um and maybe you know if there's any investors out there we can make it happen but since everyone i think in america can agree that it sucks to have to pay an ambulance i think minimum three thousand or five thousand dollars for a trip to the emergency room i want to raise funds and be able to offer the ambulance service for free I guess you know maybe start in smaller cities and bring like but i think since we can all agree that sucks <laughs> i yeah. can get the donations to make it happen and then just change the game with that um you think that that can happen or you think that i'm, I'm dreaming too big there <laughs> no i think that could definitely happen. i mean you can make uber for ambulances no some an alternative because the fact that mm-hmm. if i get in an accident and i'm hesitant to call any anyone for help because I know the first thing is an ambulance is gonna be there. I'm more like nah, like <laughs> don't even I don't show up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll see. Fingers crossed. If you're out there listening, and like the idea, let's let's make it happen. Um, let's move on to the next spin. number 11 and this question is what would you say is something you're currently struggling with and is there any support that you feel like you need um i'm currently struggling with really tapping into the divine feminine and this might sound a bit woo woo but basically divine feminine energy is all about sort of allowing accepting surrendering the divine masculine or masculine energy is more doing initiating driving results and i feel like i'm so used to like driving results because i've been in a very masculine type of career in banking um that it feels weird when i'm going into a state of ease or surrendering or you know, allowing things to take shape, which is great for manifesting. Um, I think it's just supporting myself is um, by doing the actual thing that I'm trying to accomplish, which is, you know, just allowing things to take shape. I tend to like obsess about like the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've just been trying to like meditate and not really think too much about like and detaching and doing sort of detaching meditations so I can stop obsessing about the future and driving results for the future and just be in the here and now. I got you. I got you. Um, yeah, the, the idea of the divine feminine. Um, what, what were the three things you said again? It was accepting, surrendering. And allowing. And allowing. Gotcha. Um, sorry, I had to reflect on it. I had to chew on it a little bit more. Um, I don't know what those those three words might mean for me as I try to like 
incorporate it into my life a little bit more. Because uh, when you said the the other one, the masculine, uh, divine is it divine masculine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, you know getting results done or getting things, finding solutions and trying to fix things all the time, I think is my you know default, and that's mm-hmm. all I've I've really been focused on in my life. Um, so yeah, when I re 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 listen to this, probably gonna have more time to dive into it more. Um, but for anyone that might be wanting to work on the divine feminine, what What's like a a good thought process, would you say? Or like, where should I start? Start by grounding your energy. So by really connecting to Mother Earth, either you can do that by simply walking outside, you know, on green grass barefoot, or you can just sit and cross-legged and feel your energy kind of root down into your root chakra or into the base of your spine. And connect your body and feel your body connecting to wherever you're sitting, whether it's the floor or your bed or whatever. Um, And just kind of allow your energy. Don't really think about too many things. Just sort of try to be in the here and now and be present and feel embodied because the more that you're tapping into your body, particularly your heart, particularly the lower chakras, it's, and by chakras, I mean energy points within the body. It's easier to connect to the divine feminine because the divine feminine is all about being rather than doing. I got you. I got you. Uh, I'm gonna. I haven't dove too much into the chakras, um, and but I see it all the time. <laughs> I guess I see it all the time on social media, right? They they have the postings, and you know, I don't, I don't know. I haven't exposed myself to that information yet or really taken the time to ingest it. Um, but for, for you, I guess, what what's your most important or which chakra do you feel like is the most important to, to focus on? If I might be saying the wrong thing, but uh, <laughs> is there a chakra that's most important to you? Um, I think all of them really are important the main the seven main ones um but for me i think because for so long i have not felt really embodied i felt like i didn't really belong on this earth because i was always trying to like leave uh um i think the root chakra is probably very important to me to feel stable. Um, and I, and the reason why I say that is because I grew up as a military brat and I was moving around constantly and that kind of made me feel displaced because I've never felt like America was the country for me. And I was always constantly moving even in the United States as a kid. So I was kind of like, I wasn't really here. I was like, always like, okay, what's the next thing? What's next place? So for me, the root chakra is important and also my heart chakra because I'm trying to be more emotionally driven, um, more heart opening, more focused on love. For sure. For sure. Uh, I was kind of curious. I didn't know about, the you know, being in part of the military family, but how often or how many times have you moved in like, maybe different places that you you could just give me a number if it's, you know, tens, twenties or uh, yeah. How many places have you been? I've been to four places as a kid, but within those four places, we probably moved 
well, definitely two of them, we moved two or three times within Man. those places. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you feel like that experience was unique or uh, at the time maybe feeling like this is a normal thing, but, you know, um, I, I'm, I can imagine it must have been tough to, to move so many times and having to unroot, reroot, or maybe, you know, learn not to get rooted at all because you've done it too many times. Um, it's definitely the latter. Like, I just learned to, like, kind of go with the flow. It was exciting. I love traveling and it's still, you know, part of my ethos now, but it's just, it's so disassociating and displacing when I was constantly like having to move, having to make new friends, having to go to new schools. Um, I don't think I realized it as a kid. Cause I was like, Oh, it's fun. Like after four years, I'm going to leave anyway. So I don't care. But like mm. now it's like, I don't know where my home is. And that's part of probably being a military brat. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, you know, in a very different experience, I think that similar emotions have come up for me. I was born in the Philippines, came out to America when I was about four. Um, but still, I think at a certain point in my mind, it was like, I'm not American enough to be American and I'm not Filipino enough to be a Filipino. Because if I'm there, they kind of see me as an outsider. And then here in America, I feel like I'm an outsider as well. So I've gotten to this point of view of like i'm just a global citizen you know <laughs> I'm, I'm here on earth with everybody else um but even that i'm sure there's a lot of people who get turned off by that they're like global citizen you don't even know any other language you haven't lived in any other <laughs> place but uh you know i hope to get to that point of being able to be in a different place and for me to want to become a global citizen or like really embody what that means i think it would take a lot of traveling and a lot of like you know seeing different cultures and being a part of them which at my at 32 you know i'm hoping that could be a possibility oh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's just one of those things where like damn i wish i, I started sooner <laughs> yeah um all right ashley uh we made it to the final portion of the podcast which is the closeout questions but before we do that uh, since you do meditation, you might be familiar with uh, mantras. Um, and this next portion is called the 34th mantra. I am going to ask you to fill out uh, a phrase, which is I am, I can, I will. Uh, so you treat them as fill in the blanks. Like I am blank, I can blank, I will blank. Let me know when you're ready. I'm going to change the screen to the portion and you can shoot from there. Do you want me to like speak it out? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let, let, let me know when you're ready, and then I gotta change the screen to the mantra screen. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Here we go. Uh, whenever you are ready, um, feel free to speak it out. I am. I can. I will. Okay. I am love. I can bring love into every aspect of my life. I will love myself for sure that's all it took um and if you ever need a reminder now you have this little audio clip of yourself in your own words reminding you what you can do what you will do and who you are <laughs> <laughs> and uh made it to the closeout questions this next question is going to be from my previous guest uh shout out to Devin. 
Um, Devin's question for you is if you could share a meal with a community or set of people that you don't understand that well, who, who would you want to have a meal with? So in my mind, I feel like he's getting at maybe a community that you don't always see eye to eye, but you're kind of curious to get to know, get to know who they are and what their, what their thought processes are. Yikes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like people who I don't always see eye to eye with without giving away my political views, I feel like I don't need to really sit down to understand them. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I got you. (laughs) Um, I feel like I get the message. Um, but someone that I want to understand, I guess like I would love to sit down with maybe like a famous, like quantum physicist, like Neil deGrasse, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Okay. I got you. Uh, well, what's a, can you sample, give me a sample question of what's something you would try to ask him? In his view, using quantum physics, what is the meaning of the universe? I got you. <laughs> I, I wonder what he would say. I wonder if he'd say in that way. He has a certain way of talking that makes me feel like he's always teaching. <laughs> uh, so that'd be a great little lesson. Uh, and I, I'd be curious if, if Neil deGrasse Tyson, if you're listening, we, we got a question for you here. Um, but yeah. <laughs> And my second to last question for you is, what would you like to ask the next guest that comes on to 34 Questions? What does love mean to them? What does love mean to you? Sorry, just running it down. Um, and I've been trying to get into the habit of answering this question. So what does love mean to me? I think there's a lot to unpack there um but <laughs> i think in its essence love is that uh love is the thing that keeps you warm you know like i think even physically when you're feeling cold you think of the people that you love or things that you love and it, it warms you inside and it has like i don't know why or how it it, it gives you that warm feeling but you know that's what i think love is in in a short way in a, in a nutshell that i can explain at the end of my podcast but i think i'm gonna have to think of that more and hopefully i'll have a better answer next time i have a guest that comes on um, all right ashley and my last question for you the question that ties everything together 100 200 300 years from now your descendants are watching this video what would you like to tell them i hope i did my part to make the world a better place sure um i think you know now now after all this uh after this conversation i think that you've done you know this is one piece of that part um and i hope that your descendants feel that energy from you you know whenever wherever they listen to this 
Um, any last things you'd like to add before we head out of here? No, that was great. I love the I love the flow of everything and the questions really made me think. So thank you so much for having me. Now, thank you again for, for stopping by. Um, I hope, you know, you're able to feel comfortable. Uh, I know for me, it's always nervous, too, when I when I meet people for the first time on the show. Uh, so just thank you for sharing your energy with me, uh, being open to my questions and, uh, you know, participating in every little thing I threw at you. So thank you again, Ashley. Appreciate it. Uh, and thank you to the folks out there as well. If you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or uh, even tuning into the video version, even though there's no video of Ashley, um, it will be available there as well. Thank you for checking it out. Um, remember to reach out, reach forward. As always, much love. And we'll catch you guys next time on 34 Questions. Peace. Uh, and uh, before you go, Oh, it fades out from there. 